everything in the central area here in Hollywood is being funneled toward the Pantages Theater because this is Oscar night. And keep your eyes on the losers tonight as they applaud the winners. You'll see great understanding, great sportsmanship, great acting. Well, the only thing left to say is, meet the champion. Hello and Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Snub Club. It's a podcast where we talk about the movies that have the most Oscar notes and no wins whatsoever. I am your ghost, Danny Vincent. And with me are the two other ghosts of Christmas. Who are they? I am the ghost of Christmas past because I'm the girl one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's me, Sarah. <laughs> Come in and know me better, man. I am the ghost of Christmas present, for I have a beard. Wow. So if I process elimination, I am the ghost of Christmas yet to come, which means I need to shut up the rest of this episode and just point. <laughs> you can be Alec Guinness if you want. Oh, okay. All right. I'll show you around to your nice home. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So, this week, we are jumping ahead a lot. We are going to 1970 at the 43rd Academy Awards, where I will do a nice little truncated countdown for y'all, with 10 nominations that this, because we will, to be clear, this will not be the only time we get to the 43rd Academy Awards. However, we probably won't be back here until June or July, so I don't think we need to break down everything about the ceremony and everything about what the competitors won. So we'll do that later. But with 10 nominations was the film Patton. It won seven of them. Another film with 10 nominations was a little film called Airport. It won one nomination. Then another little movie had seven nominations. It was called Love Story. I, th- I don't think it did that well at the box office. Um, but it uh, won one Oscar. Then another film that Caleb loves. Actually, you know, I'll, I'll go quicker on this. Um, there are two films that had five nominations and one win. They were MASH and Tora Tora Tora. Then a movie called Ryan's Duck. I actually don't like the movie MASH. Oh, um, and then there's a movie called Ryan's Daughter that had four nominations and two wins. And then there's another movie with four nominations called Women in Love that won one. And then there were two films that had four nominations and no wins. And one of them is Scrooge. Sarah, what was... Scrooge nominated for. Um, yeah, Scrooge was nominated for Best Art Direction for Terrence Marsh, Robert Cartwright, and Pamela Cornell. Um, they lost to Yuri McCleary, Gil Pardon- Pardondo, uh, and Antonio Mateos, and Pierre Louis Tevant. Some French guy. Um, for the movie Patton. <laughs> Um, Marsh was nominated also for Mary Queen of Scots, and he later won two Oscars. Uh, Cartwright was nominated three more times as well. Um, best costume design for Margaret First, who lost to Vittorio Nino Novares for Cromwell. Um, she was nominated three more times and won for Anne of the Thousand Days. Best original song score. For Les for Leslie Bercuse, Ian Fraser, and Herbert W. Spencer, and they lost to 
That's what I'm laughing John, at. Oh John my gosh, Lennon. I had no idea. This is a lot. John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr for Let It Be. Oh, I'm Ringo Starr! Academy Award winner. Um, Hughes was nominated seven more times, including for Best Song that year. Um, he also was nominated for Willy Wonka and Home Alone. Um, and he oh, won two. I had no idea this was the music guy from Home Alone. Oh, not Home Alone. Mm. Um, Willy Wonka. Mm. Well, uh, there is he did part of it. There was Anthony Newley as well. But anyways. Okay. Um, oh, and I don't think you said it, but the Beatles were one for what film? Let It Be. Yeah, nice. Okay, go on. Sorry. Um, Spencer was also nominated for Jesus Christ Superstar. And best song for Thank You Very Much. Also for Leslie Bercuse, who lost to Fred Carlin, Rob Royer, and Jimmy Griffin for Lovers and Other Strangers. Also, I just want to say that Bercuse, despite being nominated seven times and winning two, uh, he could not write music and would dictate the lyrics and melody to his music supervisor, who happened to be Ian Frazier, who would then transcribe and arrange them. Oh, wow. This guy died last year. He died pretty old. Sorry, I'm I'm looking up at this guy now, and I'm like, and also I just gotta say, when you said you could not write music, I was like, all right, so we'll, we'll see, we'll save the takes for the episode. Also, if you're wondering what the difference is, because there was a best score this year as well, if you're wondering what the difference is between best so- score and best song score, I cannot tell you. I looked far and wide. There is no. no, there's no distinction as far as I can tell. I don't. I, if I know correctly, and we'll obviously get to this when we actually get to it, when the category actually splits, is at least in the 90s, the cat, the score category is split between best dramatic score and best musical or comedy score. Because the Disney movies almost always win the musical or comedy score. So it's like, well, shoot, we have to have this other category so that way, like, other scores can win. You know what I mean? And that's how, like, in the 90s, like, Men in Black got nominated for score because it got nominated under comedy, which is a good nom. Men in Black has a good score. Um, True. But well, also, Danny, I'm sorry that immediately after you said I need to hurry up, I go and I like have to clarify that I like the show mash and not the movie. <laughs> it's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, do you have any historic context for us, Caleb? Now nah, we'll get to it when we get to it. All right. Scrooge. Did you have yes. something to say, Sarah? Oh, sorry. Uh, all, all I was going to say is I think the most, the distinction is this was the only year where they did best song score. Oh, And I'm okay. pretty sure that it was, it was for movies that were musicals, kind of. Um, but then you have the documentary film, Let It Be, uh, which seems a little unfair. But... It's why they got rid of the category. <laughs> <laughs> but it was for one year only. And then it kind of split off in the 90s into... Uh, dramatic and comedy and that was really unpopular so then they just got rid of it do you think it might have been a situation where they really just wanted to give the beatles an award and they're like we can't give them a special award they haven't earned it yet what if we just make it a new category for one year and we can pretend it's a competition but then we can give it to the beatles i don't know so scrooge yes what did you well i think i have a question wait 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 even though you don't have historic context, can we acknowledge what, in my opinion, is kind of the elephant in the room about jumping to this episode? Yeah, sure. To me, the, I, I've, I've, you know, I'm a big musical nerd. I know the 60s are considered like the golden age of film musicals. 
And then Hello Dolly kills the genre basically in 1969. So what this basically is, is us jumping over the golden age of musicals to see the aftermath. We don't have the full context. I know we are covering a couple musicals in the 60s. This is one of the last really big musicals because it's leftovers from the musical era of the 60s. Yeah. And I think you can see why musicals died by watching this. Is it? Is it though? I mean, I I I do believe that. I like this scale of musical. Obviously, it's it's just an Oliver clone. Yeah, exactly. But, it's, that's the big thing. It's Oliver. Also, like you have to acknowledge, just like it exists because Oliver being success. I think we kind of transition into this like sort of popular music style of musical because then you the next year you have Willy Wonka. So I don't think musicals are gone. Yet, and then you get into the animated musical, and I think they're becoming of a kid. Willy Wonka didn't do well, though, right? Willy Wonka was one of those movies that didn't do well at the time, and then I think the music probably did well commercially, but I don't know about the movie. Yeah, Pure Imagination probably hit. I think Pure Imagination, but yeah, it's it's pretty sure. Yeah, it's a weird time. This is you know, Easy Rider is coming out, Bonnie and Clyde's coming out, the studio system's falling apart. It won't be till the end of the 70s that kind of re- reasserts itself with the blockbuster. So yeah, you can definitely kind of see a transition point here. But I think within context, after we get through the 60s, it'll make more sense. I mean, yeah, this is the era of Patton, which brings in Coppola into the mix of everything, you know? Yeah. Um, and of course, Robert Altman and, well, Fellini's not new, but you know what I mean. Like, There's a lot of big names emerging now define obviously the 70s because it's the beginning of the 70s but anyway scrooge my question to get into this and to get into what y'all felt about scrooge what the dickens did they do to scrooge <laughs> I, I i gotta i gotta say i think that tagline sets you up for a very different movie than what this is i because i think this is a very traditional telling of scrooge with the exception of a couple of We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about yeah, yeah. There's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of changes at the end. That's I, <laughs> it is a very straightforward Christmas carol. There are some things that are a little different, but I mean, Ghost of Christmas Past is no longer this, you know, young little girl type figure. She's an old lady. I like um, her. She's Sorry, okay. Um Fezzy Wig stuff is a little different. The bell stuff is a little different. Um there are some things that are taken out of the future. Um, just mostly people talking shit about Scrooge. Um, it's okay. I mean, it's very straightforward. There Again, there are some things that are a little different, but um, for the most part, it's, you know, what you would expect. Uh, no, no God blesses everyone at the end, which is yes. an, interesting, well, <laughs> an interesting choice. There are a lot of changes at the end that, again, we'll get into. <laughs> well, no, it's not even like the big one that I think you think I'm talking around. There's like, a few changes like at the end where I'm like, this is weird. I don't know why we're not just keeping it the way it is. Yeah. But, um, but we'll again, I would say in general, the big thing that I notice is that the Cratchits are not really like major characters in this one. I wouldn't really call anybody a major character. Bob gets his big song at the beginning, but then he's kind of just out of the movie for the most part. Well, what'd you guys, what'd you, I think, Sarah, I'm getting the vibe from you that you thought it was like, it was okay, right? Like, that's the vibe I'm getting. Well, 
I do I play my hand this early? My thing is, when you think about Christmas Carol, I have a very strong connection to a Christmas Carol. I have probably like 40% of it memorized. When I think of Christmas Carol musicals, I have a very clear one in my mind. I mean, <laughs> I know it's going to come up because we've been, we've been talking about them for a bit. So right now I have, I have where Marley and Barley <laughs> stuck in my head. Well, I, which compared to Alan Guinness, I mean, come well, on. When you mentioned Bob Cratchit, I immediately thought like the, for some reason, I immediately just jumped to like the Ghosts of Christmas Present song from Up the Christmas Carol. So I'm just like, oh yeah, that was the song, right? I'm like, no, it wasn't. That's not in this musical. But yeah. Sorry, I just, I don't know. I feel like, I also feel like Muppet Christmas Carol is the, I feel like that's the standard. I mean, that's such a like, that's kind of the Muppets comeback movie because it's after Jim Henson dying. And I just feel like, it's a faithful adaptation, but it adds a lot more heart into it. And I feel like for a Christmas Carol, this didn't really have a lot of heart. I, I personally, well, I agree. But see, I'm going to make a really weird comparison about one of my hottest takes, which is that um, I hate Illumination Entertainment. I think they make the worst animated movies possible. Oh, that's um, such a hot take. Wait, 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 wait. I'm getting to the hot take. Um that said, I did not mind the Benedict Cumberbatch Grinch movie. I thought it was very good. Um, and the reason why is I feel like the core story of some of these Christmas stuff is like, as long as you nail the big stuff and don't like, you know, distract me with really ugly makeup and like Jim Carrey riffing for 20 minutes, uh, I'm probably going to like any version that you give me. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not again, it's like, like, do I like watching the Grinch Benedict Cumberbatch version at work every year? No, I hate it. It's terrible. I'm, I get mad that we're showing every year. That said, it, okay, it's not terrible. It's just why would I bother watching this on my own? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't that. It's good, but I'm like, it's terrible. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's got a core understanding of what works. I think this movie mostly has that. It has a call again. I think the ending, some of the decisions they make are just like, it cuts out the heart of it. I think very specifically, like, and we'll get to it, but I think very specifically Scrooge after, like, the ghost stuff, I think it's no, it doesn't feel, like, honest to me. It just feels way too big and performative, which makes sense because it's a musical. Well, as far as, like, performances, and I feel like, I feel like Albert Finney in this movie was very miscast. I I understand that he was kind of like the star power a little bit, but it's like he's playing this like old man part and he's only young screwed for a very small part. And it's kind of like, do I say this? I feel like his performance was like borderline offensive at times. Like he played more like intellectually disabled than old man to me. Uh, we can talk about uh, Caleb. I want you to drop your take and then we can talk about Albert Finney. <laughs> okay. When I was a child, uh, my dad showed me and my siblings Christmas Carol, the George C. Scott version, which is still my favorite. My brother got bored and left. My sister got scared and left. Uh, I remained. I remained strong and I watched it. And I remember at one point, the, you know, a TV commercial came on because we were watching TV and he skipped to another channel uh, and the Patrick Stewart version was on. So immediately, not only was I engrossed in this story, but I was like 
like it made me think it's like oh there are different versions of it it's like this is such a cool story that like everyone wants to do a version of it so i love different versions of christmas carol and the story is so strong that it's hard to mess it up this movie messes it up (laughs) um (laughs) okay specifically it messes up the past and the yet to come portions. I do think it messes up the yet to come portions. <laughs> I will definitely give it that. Um, yeah. I I think a lot of adaptations actually kind of mess up the past, but that's, you know, we'll we'll get into that when we get into that. Overall, it does it, it scrapes by because it's a Christmas carol and because it gets the majority of it right. But oh boy, does the stuff it get wrong. Also the music sucks. And yeah, Albert Finney sucks. Okay. Like Okay, so for Albert Finney not great, but I think I get where he's coming from, where he's giving this, like, the issue is everyone else around him is giving, like, a big, like, theater musical performance. He's giving a big, oh, I want my character to look like the illustrations in the novel performance, where it's, like, very exaggerated, like, movements of, like, the hunch and stuff. And I think if you capture that wavelength... Like, it's something where, like, I get where he's coming from. You know, I don't think it's really good, but I don't really knock him for trying it. I think it's an interesting choice. And it definitely does feel like one of those things, though, where it's like maybe maybe this director was like, oh, cool, I got Albert Finney. Albert Finney's like, yeah, wait till you see my Scrooge. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't really argue with your star type of thing. Yeah. I feel like Whoa. a Scrooge is only as good as that ending scene. I mean, I think Michael Caine, you know, going back to the Muppets, great Scrooge but it has to do with that redemption arc you need to be able to see his joy at the end and to me it was like Albert Finney was so like just chaotic the entire time <laughs> that it's like you didn't see that transition <laughs> the one scene that really, really sticks out to me is, people in this. the scene that really sticks out to me is being chaos is the scene at Fred's party where he knows he's invisible. He's just <laughs> screaming in all these actors' ears while they're trying to deliver their lives. And I just felt so bad for them. I'm like, oh my gosh. This is the most of, like, there's a guy just screaming in your face while you're... I like, if, if we could, like, a joint supporting actor, actor nom, it'd be to everyone that scene. You know, like, being, and like, I was thinking about that Ignoring that scene. it. <laughs> That scene they they choreographed it so well. It was like the space in between the chairs was perfect for him to like really get their faces. <laughs> I want to have those just clear before we really dive into it. Is that although you two are just I still really like this. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, and I know that I'll probably sound very negative talking about doing this. That's what's, that's why I say that because I hate when I like you know I'm like yeah I love this and I like this but here's what's bad. But yeah. Um, also, I did have the realization while watching this because I made that I made that Grinch comparison while I was watching it. Okay, and um, I had this realization that Jim Carrey was the Grinch and he was Scrooge, which means we're mm-hmm. probably going to get a Benedict Cumberbatch Grinch, some, not Scrooge someday. I, I think Benedict Cumberbatch would be great as Scrooge. We already got but Tom Hardy, right? He's basically Benedict Cumberbatch. I forget that that happened. I meant like a real Scrooge. I meant like a, <laughs> like like you know how every ten years there's like a real. I'm not talking about this Netflix thing or this Will Ferrell thing this year. Like we get like a real Christmas Carol adaptation like every ten years. I feel like. Um, I do want to, two things about Albert Finney that I think 
like tank his performance for me. Because at first I'm like, oh, he's playing this kind of different. I'm interested in where he's going with it. But one, he's slurring a lot of his dialogue, which kind of goes with him being like this like slimy guy. It makes sense, but the dialogue's super punchy and you need Scrooge to be like super sarcastic. So a lot of the humor in the first act isn't landing. And then when like the foreshadowing of the ghosts start happening, he just doesn't react. And I like Jacob Marley shows up. He's just like, oh, what are you doing here? This is kind of weird. And then the ghost of Christmas past shows up, which is shot terribly. And he's just like, there's a lady in my bedroom. That's kind of weird. And then he only starts to act when he gets drunk with the ghost of Christmas present. Like, Well, I think I do agree. This is not a fault of the movie because there's so much dialogue with Marley in the book. Like it's just, it just goes on and on and on and on. And then there's this whole space where like Scrooge is monologuing and he's like, oh, what if it's like permanently dark out all the time? And it's just like this like existential well, nightmare. Well, that's why and the answer <laughs> is to make it a musical though. You know, it's just, people don't do a great job of it because you I just do, make these, these songs. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I do think that Christmas Carol should be a musical. Like I fully am on board with that. I do think that it's a little bit of a detriment because they're, he doesn't get that space to like breathe in between the ghosts, which you sing. really do need. He also can't sing. He I'll cannot sing. And you know what? He so, cannot, they cannot so dub wrong. his singing. His dubbing was whole, like when they like, because he obviously recorded it before and then they put it in and it was just like, it sounded like he was in an echoey room. <laughs> All the dubbing was bad because like Bob Cratchit's song at the beginning is also yeah, like, a terrible song. <laughs> terrible song. <laughs> well, song to the movie. And, <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot of going in between dialogue and the song and it's like so noticeable when it happens. That song just goes so long, too. I'm sorry. That is, like, to me, uh, that was when I got really worried about this movie. Because it's like, you fall Bob Cratchit on his way home from work. Okay, sure. We have to stop at every single spot. So that way, later on, when Scrooge can go crazy, be like, I want to buy all the toys. We know what the toy story is. Like, we get it. Your kids are greedy. We get it. (laughs) And then we get the exact same thing with Scrooge, where he has to stop at every single person who owes him money. the difference is, though, is that that's... Oh, okay. No, no, no. Yeah, that that seems bad. If I were talking about the song at the end, I was like, the song at the end is better. (laughs) But it's like... But it is like, at the beginning, it's like... There's like three songs that are about how bad Scrooge is. And it's like, we get it. Like, we know. We know that he's bad. He doesn't need to talk to every single person in the town. Well, I actually, there's a friend of mine who, um, I looked at their letterbox for you this because last year they did like 25 Christmas carols. And, um, and over Christmas, I'm like, I, I can't do that. That's a great the, idea. What? It's good? You think it's a good idea? I'm 25? Like, I don't, yeah, that's good. Uh, well, I want to watch the one I want to watch this year is a Christmas Karen. Um, that's about a Karen who gets stuck in a Christmas Carol. It's got like a 2.4 on Letterboxd. <laughs> it sounds terrible. I agree. That's why I want to watch it. Um, can't be worse than the Will Ferrell Ryan Reynolds one. <laughs> Which is also a musical. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that one later. Uh, but anyway, uh, their issue with this one is not the uh, anything we've said so far. It's that sequence where you go around. And it's like you owe me this money. I'm going to take your house away, or I'm going to kill you. And it's like he doesn't. I'm going to kill you. But, <laughs> you know, the idea of it is is that they will die. Like, and it's like <laughs> it's true. 
true. They will die if he takes away their limbs. Like, literally, the thing to me that really does stand out on that note is, like, him going to the puppet guy and going, like, I need your money now. And he's like, please, sir, tomorrow's the Christmas show. I'll have the money tomorrow. He's like, all right, fine, but it will cost more. And it's, like, the key in, my friend said this, is, like, the key to a good Scrooge is that he's mean and vindictive, but he's not, like, maliciously so. Well, he's, he's a businessman, right? Yeah, like, he's, he's lawful yeah. evil. Yeah, he can't just be like, because if these people are like, yeah, I'll have your money next week, he should be like, okay, he shouldn't double their debts because they right. have to make them wait, wait a week. And the big thing in that scene at the beginning with Bob Cratchit is it's a negotiation. It's like, you know, can I have tomorrow off? It's Christmas. And he's like, well, you have to come in early the next day. And it's like, it's everything is a transaction to Scrooge. It's not, you're right. It's not malicious. It's just, he's a businessman. That's just how his life is. Well, and I'm not sure how much of this is just like lost to time when I'm reading Christmas Carol, but like his business seems very vague. And I think that's important because you should just be able to put any, any type of like business onto him. It shouldn't be a specific thing. Like he shouldn't just be a money lender. It should be any type of like greedy capitalist should be able to like be seen in Scrooge. Like a television I, executive. I was really mad. Like <laughs> wait, wait, wait. whatever Will or uh, whatever Ryan got Reynolds. Well, is. I was going to say to Sarah, um, two things on that, which is one, which is more of a sign up, but the other one brings it back to this more is that I was, I played this game, like a Wordle clone called movie doll and they're doing Christmas movies now. And I was so mad. It took me six guesses to get to Scrooge today because when I saw fantasy pop up, I immediately was like, okay, so what are the Santa Claus movies? And I was like, I literally watched a Christmas Carol movie last night. How how could I forget the 1980s Christmas Carol adaptation, Scrooge? But the other thing I want to say that's more related to this is that I feel like the aesthetic of this film is very much the aesthetic of the Christmas Carol play that's being put on Scrooge. Like the TV program of it. It looks just like it. I was thinking that. I was thinking, well, like the ending looks exactly like Scrooge. Yeah, whenever like it actually becomes like a dance musical, I'm like, okay, so this is just like the chintzy Scrooge musical in the that one. <laughs> but yeah. Um, well, apparently I, they they reused sets from Oliver, so that should tell you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like how all the best <laughs> looking episodes of songs. Sorry, go <laughs> It did, yeah. All the best looking episodes of Doctor Who are always the ones that are set in Victorian England because the BBC just has those sets like on standby at all time. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's the same thing here. It's like these sets aren't bad; they're just so generic. <laughs> Do you like the lyrics? I hate people. Okay, so I actually <laughs> didn't mind. The, so I didn't mind the "I hate life" song or the "I love life" song. I thought those were both nice. Well, it's not just the like, best song. He's not "I love" yet. He just like. Oh yeah, I like life. I only remember one song in this, which I'm sure we'll get to, um, because we have to get to it. Yeah, <sighs> lyrically, these songs are just not there. <laughs> which. Hang on, I need to look something up. I need to see if this guy wrote the lyrics or the music for... I'm pretty sure Anthony Newley did the lyrics for Willy Wonka, which would make a I big difference. Didn't Roald Dahl do the music? The words? Or is that the Tim Burton That's one? the new one, yeah. Yeah, the Tim Burton they one. Just, just they the just, oh my god, he has my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead, though. I know. Sorry. <laughs> He's long dead. 
The real question is, does he have our death days? Let's dun, see. Dun, dun. So Willy Wonka. That was something see. dark. The music. I, I know Anthony Newley did, and I love Anthony Newley. The music. It just says composed by these two. So I guess they both worked on it. So he did do. He probably did like. I want it now or something like one of the bad songs. I want it now goes hard. <laughs> the music does not the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, no, the lyrics are dumb, but it's, it's the performance that sells it for me. <laughs> I do think. Well, let's let's talk. I, I, we don't need to sum up a Christmas carol. For I mean, it's a Christmas carol. Yeah. But we can talk about I feel like the good way to break this down is, you know, by the ghost segments. Obviously, we've already talked about the beginning. Yes. Um. Jacob Marley is weird. He, he, he's so bad. He gets bad weirder later on. He's so bad. Well, he's, he's matching oh, Finney's energy. Can we talk about something before? I'm sorry. Sorry. Hey, I, I brought that up. I'm like, let's talk about But I do want to mention one thing before we get into that, which is I think the opening credits of this is, are really cool. I love the art, the illustrations and the opening credits. And the I reason agree. that came to mind is because I was going to mention how Alleghenis gets the end credit. And it's one of those things where it's kind of like a Albert Finney. I'm like, I feel like he came on set and said, this is what I'm doing. And the director is too afraid to argue. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like the opening credits were really cool. Um, they cut them out of the Blu-ray release. That's sad. My yeah. DVD had a, I sent this to you guys, but my DVD has both an overture and exit music on it, which I think is funny because the movie's only an hour and 52 minutes. I used to that being on like three hour movies or two and a half hour movies. Overture kind of sucked, but... The overture music. was just like wasn't the overture just like like Gloria? It wasn't like actual music from the movie. No, no, no. The overture. So you're thinking about the music on the opening credits. Yes. DVD also has a separate overture, which wow. is like a melody of the songs, with the exception of the best song, which is just the exit music. So I like the exit music way more. <laughs> okay, Jacob Marth. He's terrible. I- He's just terrible. <laughs> The way she said that for some reason is just like immediately like I popped to like Lucy from Charlie Brown like this is just terrible. I mean it just Lucy should have directed this. He is a horrible I mean this is Academy Award winner nominee Alec Guinness like come on like this is so bad. It's a good paycheck I feel like he was like yeah sure I'll do a dumb Scrooge movie. We know he doesn't like doing blockbusters. Well, apparently, doesn't like doing blockbusters. Apparently, the harness gave him a double hernia, and he had to have surgery. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, sure, happy there. I'm sure he did not look back on this movie fondly. <laughs> but the thing is, like, this isn't just a blockbuster. This is this is Dickens. It's like highbrow. It's a Dickens. He should musical. have gotten into this. It's a Dickens cheesy musical. Well, yeah, he th- he's probably where they got the tagline for this, but... It's like, what the dickens? I mean, he gets the stuff. <laughs> he's he just walked out and said, what the dickens? <laughs> like, I thought I signed up for Christmas Carol. I'm not a dumb musical. <laughs> he's bad, but he only gets to act against Finney. And I feel like he's he's like taking his cues from him. And if you compare the two, he's better than Albert Finney. Not in singing. His singing is terrible. Oh, no, not terrible. singing. I do think, though, what I do like about him no is... No one's like, singing in this is good. I like the visual. Not his, like, costume. But I like the visual of him, like, wavering. Because I can't tell if he's just, like, bending down out of frame or, and doing it really well. Or, like... Because it looks... To me, it looks really good. It doesn't look like it's composited on to me. Like, that he's, like, wavering up and down. 
He does do a little shuffle around. It's really funny. Yeah, like I think his body language is good in it, but it's I, just kind of boring. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that whole thing with Marley is it's boring. I mean, the dialogue is good, but it's boring. It's just like I forged these chains like by like yard by yard. Like it just goes on and on and on. And they did kind of shorten it a bit for this movie. It's no it's no Statler and Waldorf, but it's it's something. Well, so this is my thing with Marley and why he's it's important to get him right is that he is the scary ghost. Like the next two ghosts you get are not going to be scary. The the ghost of Christmas past is going to be like unworldly in most versions, not this one and this one she's just a lady. She's just an old but, lady. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, but, we'll get to her. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But like it isn't until you get the ghost of Christmas yet to come. So to get the foreboding nature of this, you need to nail a scary Marley. Yes. And this just doesn't well, because mean, it's laughable. I mean, but okay, but in all fairness, we are talking about the Muppet one too. And Statler and Waldorf aren't scary. But that one's for kids. Like this that one plays by too. different rules. This should but, be for kids. Yes, it's a dumb it's kids not, musical okay. rip off Oliver. <laughs> yes, Statler and Waldorf are not scary, but I was scared of them when I was a kid. But <laughs> because they were too mean. But Michael Caine sells it like he's terrified. Yeah, yeah. He's, well, it's kind of like, for, I think most people, Caleb can fight me on this if he wants to, because he's seen the George C. Scott version. But I think most people will, like, agree that Michael Caine is, like, the best performer of Scrooge in a movie. Because it's just. Oh, yeah, he's great. Because it's also, because. It's a great performance, even about the Muppets. But when you add that, he's just playing off of Muppets. It's like, whoa! I just love. I mean, I love that he said he was gonna play it like totally straight. He was like, "I'm gonna give the best performance I can give." I just, I love that for him. Well, it's also because the thing is, in that case, I know we're talking about now Muppet, but it's like that's why, like that's why that movie works emotionally because otherwise it's just really goofy. Yes. Um, but because Kane is giving such a good effort to it, and also. I think one thing underrated about that movie that people never really talk about is the smartness of not casting Muppets as the ghosts and just making original Muppets for them. You know, outside of Jacob Marley, like, you know, it's an original Past or present is a, is a Muppet. I'm pretty sure that that particular Muppet was created just for the movie. Right. They might have used him since then. But but. he's like the fun, you know, like, you know, boisterous. But yeah, but he's still like designed like the, like how he, no, yeah, he was right, 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 right. I'm just saying it's not like it's not like we cast Fozzie as the ghost of that's basically what I'm saying. It's like you could easily right. see Fozzie be ghost of Christmas present. Right. Yeah. And I do think I think that having I know we're just talking about we're just talking about Muppets. This is a Muppet podcast. Having, if you haven't listened to You know, to having this. that like having Kermit, which again, it is the Muppets comeback movie. So you have Steve Whitmire in this role. Like having him as Bob Cratchit is like, you know, that's the emotional part of that's also an emotional part of the movie, I feel like. Well, yeah, because it has all the meta stuff of it, too, I feel like, too. Before we move on to this movie version of Christmas Fast, I do want to say one other thing about the opening of this, which is with these kids, okay? These, one, one of the three multiple songs about how bad Scrooge is, one of them is just sung by these kids who are carolers, so randomly the song they'll sing. That happens actually a lot in this musical. It's like they'll sing an original song, and it's just, they'll just randomly throw, oh, he's a jolly good fellow, or like a Christmas carol in the middle of the song. Right. Public domain music. Well, the thing that shot me off about this one is that these kids, the first song we see them hear, we hear them sing is, 
Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And this movie comes out five years after Charlie Brown. Now, I know that song obviously exists outside of Charlie Brown. But also, Charlie Brown is not like... It's not like It's a Wonderful Life, where it takes forever for it to become a classic. Charlie Brown Christmas is pretty much a huge hit out of the gate. So to me, I'm like, this song... Like, anyone watching this at the time is just going to think Charlie Brown. I'm not crazy to think this is Charlie Brown. Because I think this is how most people take this. It's like, oh, these children are singing Charlie Brown bat. Like... You know, Hark the Herald. I don't know. I don't know if you guys felt that at all, too. But to me, I was just kind of like, eh, pick a different I song. Not. I, I but, did not. I also wrote an entire play about that song and existing in Charlie Brown. So that's when people yeah. it's very intensely connected. But I didn't get that. But I did. You, y'all talked about the Muppet version. So I'm going to talk about the George C. Scott version. One of the things I like about that version is their selection of music. They're picking like Pat a Pat a Pan and We Saw Three Ships Come Sailing In like these old Christmas songs that don't get sung a lot anymore. And even though Hark the Herald Angel Sing was probably around when, you know, Christmas Carol was written, I like how like they made a attempt to like make everything feel Dickensy in the George C. Scott version. In this one, like Sarah, you kind of mentioned this, the music sounds a little too seven, like, I mean, Getting out of the 60s into the 70s. It sounds like the, the musical that would be in Scrooge that they're putting on. Yeah, like that is 100% does. the yeah. vibe. Like it's- well, I think we we talked about this last year. Go go listen to our, our <laughs> It's a Wonderful our, Life episode. Our, 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 the one episode where we all almost start crying on, on Mike. I, but you know, we talked about Auld Lang Syne in that movie. Yeah. And I feel like that's a perfect example of using this holiday song to create this emotional moment, to create, like it fits so perfectly in that movie. And it's like, for this, it's like, they sing the most random songs. It's like, yes, we know what Christmas music sounds like. It just sounds like they wanted to put filler in there to be like, this is a Christmas movie. Like, we know. The thing to me is, I don't I don't think they sing in this, but the song I really always associate, like traditional Christmas song, I always associate with Christmas carols, God rest you married gentlemen. And I don't think that's in here either. That to me is again like Hark the Herald Angels Sing so. does not feel like it's a completely different tone from what a Christmas Carol should be. So I like the Ghost of Christmas Past in this. I think it's it's one of the few changes in this that I think really works. Uh, I wish she was in it more. I think the idea of like making her a character Scrooge can actually talk to is cool, and it's a very different energy than obviously the other two do have. Well, um, you know, but here's the thing. I get that it's like a rat. It's a change, but what do you mean talk to? Well, Scrooge could talk to this person if she, like you know, like how he talks to the present. Well, I mean, Ghost of Christmas Past has always been this kind of like sassy sort of figure. Like sometimes she's yeah, childlike, sometimes she's not. But she all is. All the dialogue like, is she the has same. A, yeah, she has dialogue. Yeah. Well, I'm just. I think okay, Muppets. <laughs> Sorry, in the Muppet one, it's I want it's the best comparison point. It's the only other Christmas musical of this movie. You know what I'm saying? Movie musical of this that is relevant because I of us saw the Ryan Reynolds one that you rushed out to see opening weekend. <laughs> Caleb, uh, yeah, you mean I watched at my desk at work because I had Apple TV for free for a month. <laughs> And I look at the, I don't know. I don't want to, okay. I'm not giving it too much credit. Cause here's the thing is when she shows up, I think she's going to have a way bigger, cause she, 
I feel like usually what happens in the, is like, you know, he's like, she's like, I am the ghost of Christmas past. Let me take you to the past. And this would be like they have like a little bit of a conversation. Scrooge is like, no, 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 no. <laughs> what? I don't know why. I just suddenly hit like, I think he sounds, he sounds like Emperor Palpatine. That's what he sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what I would give. What I would give. Okay. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> okay, so I looked this actress up, Edith Evans, and she was nominated for three Academy Awards in the 60s. So it's what? obvious to me, <laughs> it's obvious to me that they just, it was a stunt casting. They didn't even attempt to make her seem like the actual <laughs> Christmas past. She's just but an that, old woman her, that they wanted to put in the movie. But it's, an, it's a reveal, change I'm open to. It's not like. Her, okay. But her reveal is literally just, it shows Scrooge in bed, then it cuts to the door, and she's just standing there. And she's dressed like she's going to go to, like, the horse races. See, Like, there's nothing I, ghostly about her. To me, you say horse races, and sure, I guess she does. To me, the vibe I got was she looks like an old nanny. And that, to me, fits for Christmas past. If it's like, oh, you're, like, you know what I mean. Like, she's taking back to his past, so she's his nanny. And I'm like, okay. I'm open to this interpretation, but then the movie does nothing with it. Like, you know, like it's something where I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm open to this. I'm not defending it that much, but like, I don't think it's immediately bad. Like a lot of the I, other things in this. I think, I also, yes, the introduction is bad, but all the ghost introduction in this are bad. I also <laughs> so, want to point out that she was in Tom Jones in 1964, which of course stars Albert Finney. So they were probably like, oh, we got to get these two back together. The reunion of the century. <laughs> no, my problem, like, fine. She didn't want, like, they just wanted to have a lady as the ghost. Fine. That's whatever. It feels kind of cheap. And especially, like, the effect of her taking him to the past is just cutting to repeated footage of these people on a cart. In but, costumes like, around Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> One of them dresses a night Templar. <laughs> No, but I think the bigger problem is that you never get to really learn what Scrooge was like in the past because they are speeding through this so quickly. So, like, the whole point of the past is that you see him transform into the man he is today. There's no transformation. I completely agree. I think a big pivotal scene in the past, they very, very briefly touch on it is him being alone at Christmas as a child at the school. That's such an important Mm -hmm. scene in his past. And they very briefly explore the relationship with his sister as well. But that's such an important part. And it's just like, Like, that's so pivotal to me. The one thing I do think, though, the past stuff does well is focus on the sister. I don't think they usually do focus on the sister. I know you said briefly, because it is still brief, but even the briefness is more than I usually get out of Christmas Carol adaptations. And I think it's really interesting to center that because then it actually makes, you know, uh, his nephew's Tom, right? I always forget these characters. The, the, his Fred, nephew right? in this is Harry, but it's... it's, it's in the book, it's Fred. It's Fred. Yeah. 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 So, but, so the nephew, I think, because the nephew is like this very pivotal like thing later on where it's like, that's who he actually is going to spend Christmas with at the end. But that's his sister's son. That's the whole point. Well, that's my point is, though, is like normally it doesn't focus on the sister. So the fact that this even like talks about his sister a little bit, I'm like, OK, like because I don't think it mentions his sister in Muppet Christmas Girl. I don't think it mentions it even in the Jim Carrey one. And I mentioned the Jim Carrey one that even though I know most people don't like it, Jim Carrey one, when it came out, everyone's like, oh, this is so accurate to Dickens text. So 
I might begin like all all the versions mesh together in my head, but I'm pretty sure every version has maybe not Muppets because it's a kids movie, but almost every version has his sister dying and asking him to take care of Fred. I don't think of that at all. I, I can't think of it. That's, it's, no, it's not in the Mickey one. Okay, it's not. That might, that, <laughs> I'm talking about adult ones, Danny. <laughs> the 30 minute Mickey one. I understood. I, that I, I just wanted to name. I just wanted to name drop the Mickey one because I realized we had it yet. Um, I think in most in most <laughs> versions where they mention a sister, they'd say like, "Oh, she died." Like that's pretty okay. much the extent that I have seen. Yeah, this is the problem with me having seen so many versions. Is it's hard to parse them apart. I wonder if in a Christmas Karen it mentions the sister. <laughs> hey it does mention it in uh in spirited right can't wait <laughs> but yeah okay i i do think though this has one of the so let's talk about the musicalness of the song outside of the songs which we've already trashed is that an issue i think with all the songs at the opening is that the choreo is so bland it, it, it's not even there so the best part of the past sequence is the Fezziwick scene because it is the first time in this movie there is choreography for these songs. Ergo, even though I don't remember the song, I remember being like, oh yeah, this is fun. Finally choreographed dancing. Yeah. And this does shoot it. Like, you know, nowadays people always complain about how musicals are overcut. Obviously this movie came out in the 70s, so it's not overcut. Like you can see the dancing. It's really impressive. So it's like, great. I love this. Uh, Albert and Finney's Fezziwig. character just kind of sits in the back clapping, but you know, that's fine. He can't dance. I don't care. <laughs> that's fine. And Fezziwig needs a song. Like yeah. Fezziwig yeah. is such a great minor character and it just makes sense to give him the song in the past. Then they give Belle a song, which is, mm. I guess. Uh, I mean, the Belle gets a song. In the, in the good version of the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. I'm she excited to watch it again. I've seen know, it before, I, but I'm excited to see it again. I haven't seen that since childhood. I'm really, I, I, I need to find time to rewatch it this Christmas, even though I watched like three times last Christmas. Not the, the, the cut that was on Disney Plus. Caleb's so confused. Was, was, no, was the, uh, was the original cut on the VHS? So, no, the VHS added the song back in, but in theaters, okay. it, it lacked the song When Love Is Gone. And, most people's critical take on the Muppet Christmas Carol is the theatrical cut is good, but adding when love is gone is like what makes it great. And the comparison I always hear is like, you know, that thing where it's like they wanted to cut part of your world out of the little mermaid and cutting when love is gone. is like doing that. We're like, I don't like the little mermaid, but most people do. And it's like, yeah, the Lumerie would probably still be good about part of the world, but it wouldn't be great without without it, you know? It's the opposite of the human again. Exactly. Being added to the Blu-ray. Yeah, I saw the VHS I, version as a kid. I so. like human again. Hot take. It's not I mean, my it's favorite, definitely but I way like better it. than Morning it's just Report. Placed, it's way better it's than just Morning Report. Weirdly. It's better than Days in the Sun. <laughs> well, we don't talk about that movie at all. <laughs> Okay, so present. Yes. Uh, I mean, presents. It's, I feel like it's... Okay, here's my thought I had when I was doing Ghost to Christmas present. Because I'll be honest. Right now, at this point in time, I still don't know what I'm giving it as an extra nomination. But I did have the thought while watching this. It's like, I feel like if we're going to nominate every version of the Joker these days at the Oscars... We should nominate uh, every version of the Ghost of Christmas present. Um, are you forgetting about Jared Leto? 
Everyone's forgetting about Jared Leto. <laughs> we, 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 we collectively decided to repress that from our memory. Caleb's like, I'm going to do another commentary. Zach Galifianakis? <laughs> so, Danny, that does mean that Will Ferrell's gained a nomination this year. Great. Fantastic. I mean, overdue. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it is, I think it would be genuinely difficult. I think you would have to go out of your way to mess up the Ghost of Christmas present. It's such like, it's teeing you up for such a fun character who's going to lighten the mood, who's going to put you like, kind of make you feel like you're safe and then like turn around and start hitting Scrooge with his own words. What Which I thankfully love about they this don't version, mess up too in this one. They mess yeah. up so many other lines in this one. This, they get this part right. We sound like such purists. It's like, don't mess with it. But in this case, don't. Well, don't. It's a classic. It's, I mean, yeah. the decrease no. surplus population is such an iconic line that he gives that it's like, you have to have that. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where, sure, change it if you want, but man, you're giving up something that's good if you do. I also think the other role in this sequence, which is another thing where it's like, your version of Christmas Girl has to have this role cast well if it has to be good. Is Mrs. Cratchit, whenever she goes off on Scrooge and Mrs. Present sequence, yes. it has to be really satisfying. And it was. Yes. I was very happy. It's just, honestly, this is probably the best segment of the movie. Outside of like, it, and it, the weird thing that's in it is the thing we already talked about where Scrooge is like having a mental breakdown in people's faces while they're but doing I... this bizarre patty cake game. But he's also drunk by this. Yes. Like, because <laughs> this Christmas present is getting him toasted. <laughs> Well, I do agree. Huge chalice. Yeah, he's milk. Um, I do agree, though. I think that I do think that past or present is such a like you have you have the Cratchit scene, you have the nephew scene. Sometimes you have ignorance and want, like you have giving to the poor. You have all this stuff in it that's like, you know, it's it's there. Like you have these. Like you you will not see an adaptation of a Christmas Carol that does not have the Cratchit scene, obviously, and you will not have a scene of the nephew's party like like it's always going to be there although i do i do think it's really like i I don't know if it's good or bad but i do think the nephew's party it's it's the weakest part of this segment although i again the thing i'm mixed on is like him going like why are you yeah why are you making fun of me how dare you why'd you take me take me home (laughs) like just completely screaming over them constantly oh you know the other thing i absolutely love about this like, so it opened, you know, he has the come in and know me better, man, mm-hmm. introduction. Although in this one, it's come here, you weird little man. I love how aggressive <laughs> this ghost is. He gets him drunk and then they just crash through the window. That's how they get to the Cratchit's house. I also thought that was probably the best visual effect in the movie. Weirdly, like with yeah. them flying. Uh, outside of another one that we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, but. Did have that, that Alfonso Cuaron shot where they, it goes through the window into their yeah, house. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, um, the Jim Carrey one is not good, but it has all these... I will defend Zemeckis since it has all these really cool camera movements. I just wish they were on human beings. But then I think we can move ahead to future. Because I think the future one is... uh Makes a lot of choices. Truly, <laughs> truly off the rails. But it's honestly like... I'm honestly like not mad at it, though. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Before we get to the big choice, I do want to mention what I've been alluding to this entire time, which is 
we get the scene, you know, where Scrooge is dead and Scrooge somehow never figures out. And this one, it's more laughable. He doesn't figure it out. Because they literally like, pull his no, coffee out of me. He never figures it out. He never figures it out. They say this is such an song idiot. about him. But can I say that that song is by far the best scene of this movie? The choreo is great. The song is actually there. It's really catchy. Now, granted, the song is catchy because it's literally like a bunch of words. Like, it's like, thank you very, 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 very much. And that's like the entirety of the song. But it's catchy. It's got good choreography. There's a guy who dances literally on top of his coffin. It's hard not to like the song. <laughs> I think it's a really good way of, because all of these have to compress the scenes to make room for the song. <laughs> I think this <laughs> Sorry, <go on. laughs> I think this one does the best of compressing all of the cuz I think the ghost of christmas yet to come can get a little tedious where it's like we have to go to the pawn shop. Now we have to yeah. go to the casket maker. Then we have to go to the business section. It's like this one compresses it down where we have this big ensemble number and it's clear everyone's glad he's dead. The only problem is that Scrooge never figures out what they're singing about. Yeah, but like I can't, I can't hold that against the song and like the other dance, like because the choreography is so good in this song. It, I was like smiling at like some of like the just silly stuff that happens. And I think this is again, this is like the one time to me the entire movie that it actually fully realizes the musical potential of this. And I'm happy it's the one that was nominated because you know I feel like you know, and I guess we'll find out about this more when we go into the musicals. But nowadays, you know, you have a musical, you have. What sticks out to my mind is Mary Poppins Returns, where Mary Poppins Returns is a movie that has like a couple really good, fun songs. And then the Oscars nominate the like sad song Mary sings at one point. And it's like or or Encanto. I guess that's a better example. Encanto. And granted, that one, they chose the submission. But in that song, they the one they submit is like the sad song when people are like. Running away from home, whereas like everyone's favorite song in that movie is We Don't Talk About Bruno or Surface Pressure. And so the fact that this movie, they're like, we're going to nominate the song about Scrooge being dead and everyone being happy is like, yeah, like it, it is the best song here. And it's, it's very satisfying to me that this is the song that got nominated. You know, and I was thinking about that and I was thinking about like how like back then it was like, like when you had a song in a movie, it just like blew up. And it's like, I was thinking like, oh, that doesn't really happen. But I mean, you do have like, we don't talk about Bruno and you have Shallow is the big one. You have that Lady Gaga. But the Lady Gaga song from, well, from the one Republic Top song Gun is not in the movie. Nope. Well, yeah, actually it is. Well, it's, she doesn't like it's not a musical is my point. Oh, OK. OK. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why nobody like you should have been bigger. Come on, Billy. Should have put out a cover of it. So it could have been bigger. <laughs> <laughs> This is where the connection to Spirited comes in. Oh no. <laughs> because the for all my Spirited fans out there, <laughs> sorry, I have to justify watching this movie. Um they take they take their big song that's set in uh in the past, Good Afternoon, and it is very like I don't know it shares a lot of DNA with this. I don't know if this was an influence on it, but from the tap dancing on the coffin to just like the the big uh, narrow street full of people singing, even down to like the structures of the song are very similar. Um, I was getting I was getting spirited flashbacks, which I didn't appreciate. But hey, this song was good. Unlike the song in Spirited, 
I just feel like I, I'm really bothered. Like the song is whatever. I don't love the song, whatever. But I, I'm just really bothered by him never figuring out I mean, it's, why they're singing this I, song. I agree. But at one point to me, it becomes like this. At some point, it becomes like this great joke to me where this guy's just dancing. Like, like they literally tear up his depths behind me. He's like, thank you. Thank you. Like, he's so dumb. It's- but here's my thing. Here's my thing is I think that you cannot have that redemption arc if he does not come to that realization. He needs to understand that people are happy about him dying like he needs to understand that people are gonna rob him when he's dead like he needs to know that because otherwise it's like he did all this stuff and it's like he's scared of blank which we'll talk about (laughs) i I think that's the bigger issue and we'll get but it's like (laughs) you need that otherwise the redemption arc it's like it doesn't make any sense it does not make any sense yeah dying isn't like it's scary sure but like you know it's gonna happen Nothing he does is gonna change that. It's the circumstances. <laughs> he seems like he's gonna drop dead any minute. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. laughing because. Go on, go on. I'm laughing because well, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get, we'll and the contrast, <laughs> and the contrast of Tiny Tim's death is like what really nails at the coffin. But in this one, he's like he's sad that Tim's dead, but he doesn't really get the contrast of, oh wait, this is how people are treating Tim. This is how people are treating me. Well, he says, like, he says, like, can you, like, spirit, like, show me in the book. He says, like, show me tenderness connected with that. So it's like there's this, like, dark, like, ominous tone to all of these scenes. And it's like, then you have this, like, thank you, Mary. It's like, it's, it's like I mean, so the opposite of what I, it should be. I don't, I don't, okay. I, I guess I just don't care at that point, though. It's more like the Tiny Tim stuff. Yeah, if, if like, there's still in the background. Thank you, man. I go Tiny Tim. <laughs> now. Um, now, we have to get yes, to now we finally, the big thing. So the, big, so the, big, the most radical change in this movie is, you know, traditionally, Scrooge sees his grave. He gets pushed in, and that's when he wakes. He doesn't get pushed in. He just sees the grave, and that's it. Oh yeah, it. yeah, I know. But like, I think about okay, you're right, you're right. But in some movie versions, like the Mickey one, like he gets pushed in, and that's what wakes him up. And like, I don't mind him getting pushed in because that's something that happens in a lot of them. This one, <laughs> he gets pushed in his grave, and we follow him down to hell. Oh my god! <laughs> so it starts out. It starts effect. out with like. It starts out with minimal silly where you see underneath the ghost cloak it is just a skull and it I looks mean, really bad. Really, and then it's him too, yes. <laughs> and then it's him falling against a red like a red screen which is really silly. I don't think the but effect then, is that bad though. The effect that effect is fine. Like it doesn't look too bad. But go on, yeah. But then <laughs> yeah, he gets pushed down into this very red fiery abyss. And you go, okay, sure, this is taking a while, but I guess he's going to wake up at home, right? No, he opens his eyes and he's in this, I don't even know how to really describe it. I guess it's like it looks a like, fire pit. It, it looks like that. Krypton from, this, from the old Superman movie, except all red. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, well, I already said what I thought. It, it's, it's the house that Jack built. Yeah. <laughs> it's the ending when he goes to hell. Yeah, yeah. It's, and then... Jacob Marley 
welcomes him to hell. And he's like, let me show you to your room. And by the way, I want to clarify, before we explain this more in depth, Caleb, earlier when you mentioned Tiny Tim's death, I just started laughing. And the reason I did is because I imagined a version of this where we have all this dumb scene in hell, and he goes, but here's your roommate, and then Tiny Tim's just... (laughs) He's like, no, and Tiny Tim's like, no one helped me get signed. <laughs> well, if he didn't, and that's get, why he doesn't say God bless us, everyone. If he didn't, if he didn't confess before he died, <laughs> then he's down there. Um, but that's not what happens. Signing two is not in hell in this version of the movie. I mean, he's not, he's not in No, I'm pretty sure the Patrick Stewart version ends with Tiny Tim being damned to hell. <laughs> anyway. He's like, I can deal with okay. me being in hell, but Tiny Tim, we gotta go. <laughs> All right, you want to know the real redemption arc in Scrooge? Alec Guinness at the beginning of the movie, bad. Alec Guinness in this one scene, hamming it up, scuttling around, he's hilarious. Jacob Marley shouldn't be this happy. That kind of goes against his motivation, but I love it. It also is just, it's so, it's so dumb. It's it's, so, it's it's so contrary to the rest of the movie. Like the tone is so different. It's so, okay. Wait, the stupid thing about to me is like, okay, you want to send him to hell. You want to give him Jacob Marley's change. Fine. It's not necessary. You're really wasting time, but sure. Why not? But it's like, I'm going to make your life worse. You're condemned to have Bob Cratchit's job in hell. And it's like, okay, he's I'm already he's already, he's, he's already someone who's afraid of death, who's going to hell, and it's going to be changed. We don't even make him be like, it's not like, oh, that's the game changer for Scrooge, that he's going to have a worse punishment. <laughs> Two things that are hilarious. One... <laughs> he gets he gets Bob Cratchit's job working for Lucifer because Lucifer is impressed by him. So it's like Lucifer's like I've been looking at your CVA and I'm really impressed by some of this. <laughs> and can stuff. we say that the, uh, the the office he's going to work in is freezing, which is so funny to me. Be like, oh, your punishment in hell. That's a way worse hell is to go somewhere cold. I'm like, I'm going to put everyone else in hell. But see, like this, that, would, that room. But see, that would make sense to me. If they had the part at the beginning where he's the like, cold, he tells Bob yeah. Cratchit, like the coal, right? He says, like, you could, like, don't leave the coal burning. Like, that would make sense. But if they don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the That's second thing, insane. his chain. Oh. <laughs> it's so big that it has to be carried in <laughs> by these four sweaty, beefy, so bondage, gay porno dudes. <laughs> They're all masked. It's very uh like it's okay. To be very clear, we are not we are not shaming anything here, but it's just bizarre in the context of this. It's such a like what? Like is this actually happening? I want to see the camp movie (laughs) where it's like a bunch of beefy chain dudes like chasing someone around hell. That sounds funny. It's like the the cannon. Christmas Carol. Tyler, no, Tyler, okay, okay, pitch, pitch for the spinoff movie. Just tell, welcome to hell. It's these guys who their jobs, they're demons, and they're like their job is just welcoming people to hell. And I don't know what the plot is. 
maybe one of them gets transferred to heaven. They have to go rescue him. Well, he does say like, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, bro. And it's just like the magic mic guys. <laughs> just... Didn't he say it then? He needs, he's like, I need some boys to help me <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, just, it's somebody that it's like, that's the deal breaker. It's these oily guys throwing some chains on him. He goes, no. Well, apparently in the TV version, I guess they thought it was too frightening. So they cut that entire <laughs> scene out. I mean, it should not be in, the, just in the movie. It's so well, strange. Because, <laughs> like, first off, I think Christmas Carol, even though it is, you know, it is set in a time and setting where everything is revolving around, you know, like the church and stuff. I feel like it can be, you can be non-religious and enjoy it. Well, yeah, because it's about and ghosts. I think, yes. It's a ghost yeah. story. And but like even beyond that, I think what Jacob Marley describes at the beginning of the story, where you're just like, you're doomed to walk the earth, chained to the sins that you committed, is more terrifying than a literal hell. Especially a literal hell where you have a desk job. Yeah, exactly. A literal hell where it's like yeah, he hey, so everyone, everyone else here is getting <laughs> tortured, but you gotta you gotta do some you gotta do Bob Cratchit's job. Oh no! But it's like Bob Cratchit still works that job at the end. Like he's still doing it. <laughs> he should have been like, because he goes, "I'm gonna double your raise." Like he should have been like, "I'm gonna double it." No, no, no. I'm gonna quadruple it. Please, just the job is so bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he sees any vaguely muscular man, and he just flinches. No, and also the thing that's such a key thing to me about why this to me this ruins the move the, the message of a Christmas. Even though I do think it's really funny. I'm just like, what is going on? What oh, happened? it's hilarious. But it it is by far to me the thing that ruins the message the most in this movie. Because Scrooge should not just be motivated. Like to the, it's like the, the thing that motivates Scrooge to get better is he doesn't want to like to be go to hell. Like it should just be a fear of death. Well, like, you know, like it should be a fear of death in the fact that he stood by and let an innocent kid die. Right. I well, mean, just the whole- an understanding that everything he has built in life, all his priorities have come to naught. Right. But instead, all of his priorities has given him a nice test job. He's well, promoted. <laughs> I do kind of, the thing that I actually kind of liked about this movie, and I wish they would have taken it even further, is that he still has that like connection to Isabel. Her name is Belle, first of all. They, he still thinks about her, like even in even even in present. And I kind of wish that they, you know, kind of continue that thread because I think that that's such a tragic story. Like he completely lost like the love of his life. He's been alone this entire time, and it's just like like that to me is like that's a good motivation. But it's like as we've said, like in like it should be he just sees his grave and he sees that people are happy that he's dead and he sees that his wealth means nothing. And he sees that this kid that he could have helped is dead. But it's like, he's just like, oh, I, I went to hell. It was scary. I'm back now. That's so And also, he, so wakes up, he wakes up, like, strangling himself, too. That's kind of weird, too. <laughs> well, because it's, it's the chains. Yeah. <laughs> Does he go to hell in the Tom Hardy version? Where he, where like Tiny Tim like breaks his neck and stuff, and like drowns and like all this stuff. Maybe There's, like salmon and stuff. <laughs> I want to see the version where he got, I do want to see the version where Tiny he goes to hell and he sees Tiny Tim. Tiny and Tim's like, he's like, what are you in for? 
<laughs> Daddy Dib's like, you could have saved me. <laughs> uh. Okay, and then we're at the end of the movie. Where we get a couple more changes that are very bizarre. Mainly to me, him dressing up as Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, which Coca-Cola had not even invented Santa at that point. So. Yeah, it was it was a very contemporary looking Santa Claus outfit. Well, I think because, okay, I do think it adds one really great moment at the end where you get like, oh, yeah, who is this Volvo Christmas? And then he takes off his mask and Bob Cratch's wife just screams. She's like terrified. <laughs> And that is the, probably because she thinks it's a trick. It's legit. No, no. I was going to say, I think, though, as much as I enjoy that bizarre jump scare moment, I think that is such a great part of the ending always where he comes in and pretends he's evil. You know, yes. like that is what really sells the ending is yes. that because the thing is. The thing about Scrooge is also you can't just redeem him and make him a very good person. Because once you do that, you lose who he is. He needs to still have a personality of being kind of a grump or being kind of mischievous. Because that is what you usually see in the early things like with the Fezziwick stuff and with the Bell stuff. So he needs to actually go back to being the human he was rather than just being like an angel. So to me, that's why you need that moment where it's like he goes and he's like, Bob Cratchit, why are you not? You know what I mean? Like you need to have that. Yeah. yeah, you need to have that because then it's like, oh, I'm just, I'm just messing with you, dude. And it's like, oh, okay, like, well, he has that line. He says, "I'm giddy as a schoolboy," and I think that if you play Scrooge in that way, where he's just like, he's so like happy, and it's like every person he sees, he's like, "Merry Christmas!" Like it's so, he's just happy to be alive. Like he's so happy that he didn't waste this day. And again, I just feel like your Scrooge is only as good as that ending. And, like, Albert Finney did okay. But, again, I mean, he didn't learn anything, really. But it's, like, you need to have this, like, you need to have this, like, like borderline, like, delirious Scrooge and not have him do that throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I like how they invert all the songs to now be about how Scrooge is a good person. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Um, I mean, I don't... Very much. <laughs> I don't hate Finney in the ending. Like I think he's doing probably the best he does in the movie. Yeah. But that's also because I think he's pretty bad in the rest of the movie. <laughs> no, I I think the weirdest thing is just that it does feel since it take like first off, he recruits a bunch of child labor, which is just ironic <laughs> because Dickens wrote this because he was upset by child labor. But when the kids hand like out the toys to other kids, I was like, come yeah, on, dude. So like, come on. I love them. I, so I, I love the moment also where uh, he forgets Tiny Tim's present. <laughs> then he brings in it's just a big dumb carousel where you press a button and that's all it does. I just also like it's just so rushed. It's such a rushed ending, which is ironic because the song is so long. It just keeps it's going. Like Thirty minutes after he I, after he comes back. I hate though. I hate the scene in the toy store here, where he's just picking up all the toys. Like and this one, and this one, and this one. Oh, and here's some coins. And this one, and this one. And it's just like, oh my god. And I need little it's boys. So, it's so yes. like, it's. 
obviously, you know, he has to give the gifts at the end. Because that's that's part of the story. He gives the gifts. He gives he brings the food. But it does just feel so commercial to me in a way that it doesn't usually. Does he? I can't remember in this one. Does he give a donation to to Harry's church? The church? Yeah. No. So usually, usually he goes up to the um, the guys who were collecting charity, and he whispers something into their ear, and they get really excited. Um, it's it's a uh, Bunsen and Beaker, I think, yes. in the Muppets yes. version. And this one, he just shouts at them. It's like, yo, 100 coins, 100 shillings every Christmas. And they go, thank you very, 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 very much. <laughs> I will say, so I, I have to say that the whole Tiny Tim thing. First of all, I thought the kids were really cute. I thought the girl was cuter because she was younger. <laughs> so I feel like they could have cast a younger Tiny Tim. My version that I watched, it was on YouTube. Oh, yeah, you told me about this. And it's literally like they cut out his entire song. So it starts on Albert Finney's face, and then just like a cut. And they go, very nice, Tiny Tim. I don't blame him. That song wasn't very good. But it cuts perfectly. Like, it's like Albert Finney, and then he's like very slightly... In a different position. <laughs> it was a perfect I, I, cut. I definitely head. think this the the future sequence is what and we've already met I've already mentioned this, but the final sequence of the movie is what really nails in the like, okay, this is the bad Christmas carol thing in Scrooged. Like with him like, oh now I'm Santa Claus, and now we're just doing a big production number with Scrooge there being way too overly happy with everything. And that's really like because Again, it, it, that to me is like the key that's wrong here is that Scrooge is not even recognizably a, a person. Then, you know, like he's not acting like what a reformed human would act like or someone who just suddenly feels happy with stuff. He looks like someone who's relieved he's not going to hell. Like that's literally right. It. I mean, even like yeah, when it's... he's like buying the turkey, like he's like he's like, you know, like he ne- he wants the, the kid to get like a like he wants the kid to spend his money. And then he's like. When he's giving Bob Cratchit a raise, like he's like negotiating it, like he's still yeah. a businessman. It just it well, feels very empty. Although the songs, well, and ending on "Thank You Very Much" makes me happy. <laughs> to be very honest, it's like all right, like sure. Also, the I stuff with like, Fred is un- it's unsatisfying to me at the end to not go with Fred or whatever. His well, because. Because usually he shows up to Fred's house. Yeah. They don't run into each right. other. And he carves and... the roast beast. Sorry. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're thinking of the mean one. Um, no, I, but like that scene gives him an opportunity to not be like super energetic, but to be genuinely apologetic to Fred and his wife. And you don't get that here because he's just, he's going at a hundred the whole time. But you know why you don't get it? It's because he didn't ever like parse together that they were making fun of him. Like that's the whole point. And it's like, that's the same thing with like the thank you very much. It's like, he doesn't ever figure out that they're happy that he's dead. And that's why it doesn't work. But sure, he sure is scared of hell. Yeah. I still, again, once again, to be clear, I still really enjoyed this, <laughs> but it's a movie that's like, it's like Clifton's why Christmas I, Carol. Why would I ever rewatch this when there's so many better adaptations I haven't watched? Or there's the Muppet one that I can revisit. Or even probably, the, I probably enjoyed the, because I, I don't remember like being like, 
The Jim Carrey one, the issue is the animation. It's, it's not like disgusting. the storytelling. But it's not like the storytelling is still there. So it's still like, to me, it's like, not it's not watchable because it's ugly. But like, you could imagine a watchable version of it while you're watching it. Listen, there are silent movie versions of singular scenes from A Christmas Carol. This has been a story that like cinema has adapted since the beginning of cinema. You can find a version to watch that isn't this one. It's just like but the spirited a good one. No, I'm kidding. Does spirited Ryan is not a direct sing adaptation. In it? Yes, he does. Doesn't he sing? It's not thing? terrible. Doesn't he singing? He goes like, I can't believe I just sung after like every song. It's it's, <laughs> it's a like, lot of it's a lot of wait. Why are we singing? Wait. Are, is this like a Christmas carol? Wait, you're Scrooge. It's oh no. weird. I'm so glad this it's, we have sincerity in Hollywood these days. Um, yeah, but he bought a football hey, don't team. You, remember, he bought a zoo. Don't, Sorry, don't you want to hear David. Patrick? <laughs> I know. Don't you want to hear Patrick Page tell a bunch of people to stop singing multiple times? Yeah, that's that's why I paid to see Hades Town twice on Broadway. Hear him say, "Shut up." <laughs> Actually, I, I did have a fun time with Spirited. I, probably because I was at work and I was very bored. Sounds like something I would watch with my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> it does look good. We watched, well, no, we watched like some, it was like a free T, free V. It was the one with, with Menemasood. It was terrible. But I, but that being said, I will connect it back to a Christmas Carol because I am a connoisseur of Lifetime Hallmark movies around Christmas time. And I probably have seen dozens of christmas carols and like they're not mm. obviously they're not like that same but it's the same i mean kind of like it's a wonderful life right where it's like you have those beats that are like you know the curmudgeon like, learns yeah, their lesson even the grinch is basically grinch, a christmas yeah. carol yeah the grinch well, is it's a wonderful life is probably the best adaptation that's the only thing like I'm just saying, let me like no, <laughs> but yeah, 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 no, you're right. It, it it is a very similar type of tale. I feel like it's really hard for Chris again, and you keep pointing out to me, Caleb, and you're right that I keep seeing these ones that are for children, and then you're like, but make sure you check out Spirited on Apple TV Plus now. Um, but <laughs> that's not that is not the message I'm trying to convey. <laughs> We've been sponsored by Ryan Reynolds here. Um, have some aviation gin for Christmas dinner tonight, everyone. I would take his money. Uh, but uh, I think unlike It's a Wonderful Life, you know, where like I cry every time when I watch them. I I I, I watch even I love the Muppet one. I don't think it makes me cry. Now, granted, I haven't rewatched the one with the 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 song that I keep saying like this makes the movie, but. I don't think Christmas Carol adaptations ever really make me cry. I don't. I mean, mm. I think that there's I I agree, but I think it's just because it's such an ingrained story in me. I mean, I cry every single time I watch It's a Wonderful Life, but I think that there is that moment at the end where he like is like, Merry Christmas to everybody. And it is so like, that's the moment, you know? Yeah, it should still give you like this well, intense feeling of joy. Right. Yeah. It's a it's a different type of catharsis because. It's a Wonderful Life. I, I say it's probably the best adaptation because, like, looking at the word adaptation as you're changing the story. Um, obviously, they're straight adaptations that I enjoy a lot, too. But it is, what if it's a Wonderful Life, but Bob Cratchit's the main character and Scrooge is still the villain? And I think that provides a different type of catharsis than A Christmas Carol 
where the only time you would really cry is if they nail the past with his relationship. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of adaptations just kind of glaze over the past. Yeah. I think you can also maybe build some emotional connection with Bob, but yeah, yeah. it's hard no, to, I mean, I feel like Scrooge is the main character. I mean, I feel like tiny Tim is obviously like that cute kid, but I would argue that the future is where it's really kind of make or break. I feel like, Again, I just feel like that moment where he's looking at his grave, like he needs to have that moment of realization and he needs to say, and again, the thing with Tiny Tim where he says, you know, show me tenderness. And it's, I just feel like the future is where it's kind of like he needs to learn a lesson then. Like he's having fun with Pat, with present. He's reminiscing with past and getting sad, but future is like, this is it. Like, this is your last chance. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned it's wonderful life and we also mentioned the Grinch, is that to me, that is actually the key on why I still like the Benedict Cambridge Grinch movies, because it makes me cry. It's, and obviously the original special always makes me cry too. And that's something that I don't think really any other Christmas media can do to me. Like every year I watch, well, I don't watch it every year, but any year I choose to watch the original Grinch, I'm going to stop at the end. Like that is just what happens to me when Fahu Dory starts playing and... <laughs> He sees it and it just emotionally overwhelms me. Um, and to Home me, that's what Home Alone I, gets me <laughs> when they reunite. <laughs> uh, but what I was going to say is with Christmas Carol, to me, I, maybe the key would be at the ending for it to work is to give. I know I made a joke earlier, but like if Scrooge doesn't indeed like carve the roast beast or do so, you know what I mean? Like we get that as an epilogue, not him saying. See what I did, Jacob? I'm good. Like, okay, but I, <laughs> I touched on that earlier when I said that we do not get, it does not end with God blesses everyone. Yeah, it, exactly. It ends with Go him on. alone in an alleyway, and it looks like he's going to get mugged. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is, I have the book with me. It is 111 pages yeah, in this you know, copy. It's super short. I think that Dickens nails it. This is an amazing book. Yeah, hot take. <laughs> Charles Dickens, nah, good writer. This, this Dickens guy, he's on the up and up. What <laughs> the Dickens has he done with Scrooge? <laughs> but it is, it's just, it's such a hopeful and sincere story that no matter what, no matter how bad the adaptation is, as long as it is trying to be about redemption, which is why I think, you know, Scrooge is trying to be, then it's still going to have that spark. And I think there is something special. And to bring up Spirited one last time, this is a key plot point in Spirited, which I really disliked. <laughs> this idea of like, can someone truly change like this? And can someone like stay changed? And yeah, I believe in when I read the book, when I see the George C. Scott version when I watch, uh, when I watched this version, I believe that Scrooge truly did change, and that he was as good as his word, and he kept every day like it was Christmas. And even though I hate hated some of the choices they made in this film, I still think it kept enough of the core story where I was still happy. Like I was still by the end of it, glad that I had like once again partook in this very familiar story. And so, like, I'll never cry at it. I'll never have, like, that moment of catharsis that I do when, 
George Bailey's running through the town. But I still think just the power of that redemption makes this one of the best stories ever told. Not this version, oh, of it, no. but just the base story. I mean, it's just like how he says it at the end is so like, I'm getting emotional. It's like he writes in such a way that it's like he says like he keeps it in his heart. He well, becomes close with Tiny Tim. Like he nails it with that ending where it's like you wonder, you're like, is this just a one time thing? Is this just a one day thing? And Dickens like expands on that. And he's like, this is it. Like this is. And the movie is really interesting. I'm sorry. Well, I know you want to talk. <laughs> the movie is interesting because it's one year later. It's literally like the next year. So it's like implied that Scrooge is going to die. But I think that you have this vitality in him. And it's like, it's to me, the book really implies that he's got so many years left to redeem himself and to enjoy this mm-hmm. holiday. Because well, I- he probably starts taking care of himself after this. Because he isn't doing that. <laughs> In this, like, you know, he's living in a bad house eating bad food. Right. <laughs> well, when Caleb and Sarah just kind of said it too, is to me, you actually reminded me, is like, I'm like, I don't think there's ever been a version of Christmas Carol to make me cry. But actually, I was like, did the Muppet one make me cry? Was it during like the song I never see anymore? But I remember, no, actually, last year when I watched it, I did cry at the end. It's because Gonzo delivers those lines. Yes. And it's like, to me, honestly, that is the. I know I said earlier the key to the Muppet Christmas Carol is they didn't cast Muppets as the ghost. But the actual key to it is that you have Gonzo there giving you the Dickens lines. Yes. And that gives you the emotion just written into the prose, into the movie. And like at the end of the movie, you know, we get little tiny Tim going, God bless us, everyone. And then Gonzo goes, Scrooge lived on. Enjoy. Well, I don't remember the exact lines, but he, it's perfect. It, like, it's perfect. It makes me cry. It's literally going to make me cry right now because it's like, it's such a good add on. Like, it's like, it's literally like, again, it's just this idea where it's like, you know, it just, like, it's just a perfect ending. It's like, in case you were wondering, Scrooge does follow through. It's just like, come on, dude. Like, this guy is great. Like, this writer is great. Scrooge is great. Great story. It's just, I agree. I think it is one of the most perfect stories ever written. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And like, there's a, again, we, we actually touched on this last year. There's a reason that like, It's a Wonderful Life exists. There's a reason The Grinch exists. There's a reason pretty much any, I think most holiday Christmas media comes back to A Christmas Carol, as long as it's not about Santa Claus, you know? Mm-hmm. It's so. just the quintessential, like, this is what Christmas is about. And I think Caleb is right where it's like, it's not like, I don't want to be like, it's not about Christ, but it's like, it's not, it's about love and it's about understanding. And it's just like, like, and you know, it's a wonderful life is the same way where it's like this, like you don't need that because I'm not religious, obviously. So it's like, but Christmas is about that. Like it's about loving other people. Y'all gonna make me cry in this episode about this bad movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Christmas tradition, okay? (laughs) Just think of crying, not the bad movie. Beefcakes in hell. You'll start laughing. It's fine. Yeah, just remember those guys. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna be with those guys all Christmas. (laughs) Whenever I do, if I do watch one of Christmas Carol, I'm gonna be like, yeah, but where, where, where the, where the strippers at? I think I think we it's just like a bunch of Sweetums. <laughs> I think this is a this is by far I think our longest episode. 
So I think Sarah. But it's a Christmas we, special, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, I do think we can though get to our our, our you know what was it nominated for? Yeah. Oh this. yeah, we have to do this. Yeah, do this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was nominated for best art direction, best costume design, uh, best original score. We'll say. Uh, and best song for thank you very much. All right. Before I say mine, which should be very obvious, um, I do want to defend the score because I think the score actually utilizes other Christmas songs really well in it. There's one point where, like, We Wish You a Merry Christmas just hits in the background of, like, the instrumental of the actual song. Not in the song. This is, like, in a dialogue scene. Like, you hear a bit of the song theme and then we wish you Merry Christmas, like bleeds into it and bleeds out. I was like, okay, this is a solid score that reuses actual Christmas songs and the music. But that said, I think thank you very much. Is it's both very cool it got nominated because I feel like the obvious nomination is like, you know, Bell's song in the past or whatever, or like one of the sad songs because normally what the Oscars go for. It. But no, they went for the big fun dance number, and it is by far the best scene of this movie. Both times it happens. Uh, even if I don't actually like what's going on during the scene, I just find it fun. I, it's thank you very much. It has to be thank you very much for me. What will I give it? Um, this is a tough one for me. Um, you know what? Solely for the health. Quince, I'm gonna give it best art direction because that scene was crazy. Yeah, but you could you could give it costume design for the strippers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Lack of clothes is a costume. <laughs> um, I had to be like this, but it, you know, I maybe would have given it art direction, but the hell scene looks so silly. <laughs> no, um, I, I, yeah, thank you very much. Has its narrative problems. But solely because it influenced Spirited, uh, I feel like I have to give it the nomination. Yeah, make sure you guys get your aviation gin and yes. subscribe. Watch uh, Welcome subscribe. to Rexham on Hulu. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, subscribe to Hulu. <laughs> Listen to Midnights by Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, and then add a, add a nomination. Oh, I have to look up the actor's name. Good old Kenneth Moore is the ghost of Christmas uh, present. He's my favorite ghost in this. I think that that section is the best. And I think that he's able to like find all the, all the highlights of that character, even with his condensed time. Um, I will give it best cinematography for the Alfonso Caron shot through the window. <laughs> I mean, a part of me, this was a thought I had at one point, which was um, the flying with the Ghost of Christmas present, I thought looked really good. And I remember, this is before Superman, where like, Superman was sold on, you can believe a man will fly. And I thought, maybe I should rewatch you the original. Believe a, and I was like, you will believe a Scrooge can fly. <laughs> well, then I thought, like, I thought while I was watching. Can you read like, my mind? That... <laughs> and I was like, maybe I should rewatch Superman, because I'm sure it looks better than this. So I'm gonna also go with kind of more if that's name that's name right of the guy. Yeah. Yeah, like I went to this with a couple options, and then I'm just kind of like, no, you know, I said that I think Ghost of Christmas Presents should be like an Oscar-winning role constantly because it's such a fun role and it allows a lot of cool act. Who would you guys want to play Ghost of Christmas Present in a new Christmas? Oh. Now, 
My gut goes to Paul Walter Hausen, but then I remember that he'd probably be Scrooge because he wants to break everyone's arms. Yeah. <laughs> I would say... Let's cast this whole Paul thing right now. Let's cast this okay. whole thing right now. I mean, Ben and Cumberbatch is the Grinch. I mean, yes, Scrooge, right? Um, That's going to happen. I, it's going to happen eventually. Who would so, I say for... Okay, I guess we'll go with him. I would say present. I'm going with Jack Black. He's yeah, got Jack that Black vibe. Fun. In a way, I'm surprised um, he hasn't done it yet. He seems like the person I would have got for the Jim Carrey one. Of course, the Jim Carrey one is creepy animation, but yeah, that would make sense. Honestly, I wouldn't mind. I think Jack Black's really good. I wouldn't mind a Willem Dafoe in it. I think that he could play it really fun and then Defoe really lean should be Marley. The... Defoe could be oh, Marley. Yeah. 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 Defoe should be Marley, in my opinion. Which, yeah. Yeah. Because he me... can play the scared really well. Because Marley should be also like, Marley should be like, I'm trying to help my friend out. Right. And I think he could do that. To me, though, when you say Willem Defoe, I'm thinking like Christian Bale for scrooge i think he could be a really good scrooge yeah i mean i think he could too i'm just going with the the bender cumberbatch one because we like, we it, it's going to happen there's no way ben cumberbatch goes through his entire career without playing scrooge at some point it's just it's not going like he, he's gonna be it it's gonna happen I would oh say- you know who else would be really fun as scrooge hmm. david Tennant would make a great scrooge i agree i agree well with my Cumberbatch um, Scrooge, the obvious choice for the uh, the Cratchits would be um, Julia Louise Dreyfus and Martin Freeman. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, leave. I feel like past. I could see like a. Don't hate me for this. I could see like a really Bobby Brown type, but going more into like good acting, I would say like a Sophia Lillis type. Like that kind of like, young. like how she looks in the D and D, the D and D movie. Kind, yeah, like kind like, like a that. good young yeah. actress. Yeah, I could see, um, could see it, uh, Thomas and Mackenzie maybe in that type of role. Yeah, it's a tricky role because you want to cast. I mean, it's really weird because the convention is that you cast as a woman so that we have that. It's in the book. It is a child who looks like an old man. So like, it's a weird role to cast because you you want to cast it young, but they need to be able to hold their own against Scrooge. Do you know who could be? I think. Sorry. Sorry, go. No, no. I was was about to say, I think both of your picks could do very well at that. Do you know what would be a really good ghost of Christmas present if we don't want to go Jack Black is Billy Porter. I think Billy Porter would kill as the Ghost of Christmas Present. The silence means I'm bad. That's a bad idea. I don't. <laughs> uh, I don't love Billy Porter, so but that's just like a personal thing. Okay. Well, it's better than James Corden because all James Corden's gonna. Yeah, be James Corden would definitely like, <laughs> like Hollywood. Like James Corden, like definitely. What? The best thing that ever happened to Josh Gad's career is James Corbin. <laughs> You know, I could also just see the Key and Peel version of this where Peel is Scrooge and Key is a uh, uh, Bob Cratchit. <laughs> like <laughs> that would be so funny. Oh my god. Although who I feel would, um... what what? Sorry, go on. No, who would who would we cast as uh as Bell? Well, if if it's Christian Bale, then Amy Adams. Even well, though, it depends. Even how, though he does how, not how support her. How far back in the past are we going? How far? Because are we going to cast a young Scrooge along with her, or are we going to have it be the same actor? Because I can think of some the, young actors that'd be good. Um, 
I think this is the role where you like, you know, this is like what if this is a musical version, which we're not saying it is, but if it is, this is where like your big song goes, right? Because that's where the awards bait song goes. It's about right. Um, in that case, I say, and it's a very cheap choice because she just won the Oscar, but Ariana DeBose. And that's of course if you cast young, you do a younger version of right. I guess Amy Adams is not. I just love Amy Adams. Can I? I I love Amy Adams too. Amy Adams could be a Mrs. Pratchett though, and you can give them like yeah. Who does Ben Platt play? <laughs> ben Platt obviously plays uh, Tiny Tim. He's Tim. Fred. He's Tiny Tim. Come on. He's Tiny Tim. Oh my God. That would he goes, be so God funny. Everyone. Everybody's like, Tiny Tim's too old. <laughs> oh, small role. But um, I think it'd be fun if Brian Tree Henry was the, uh, was uh, him and Lakeith Samfield were the people who were trying to Get charity oh, money. I was gonna say it's him and Daniel Kaluuya playing the roles of widows. And Daniel Kaluuya does like that stare. That uh, he does. I would say <laughs> I would say if Jack Black does not play present, then he would play Fezziwig. Yes, yes. Ooh, yeah. I forgot about casting Fezziwig. Well, Fezziwig's a cameo, though. You know what? Like, like I mean, yes, he'd be good as Fezziwig, but let's unless this is like going to be like one of those things where they spend money on everyone. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's been a minute since we've had a straight adaptation that's been big budget, and you know that last one was animated. So you might as well like kind of go big and get who you can. I do like the idea of, I don't know. I I kind of do like just the dumb idea of the Key and Peele Christmas Carol. It's not even a dumb idea. I think they do a good job with it. Like, I don't know if I don't know if Jordan Peele is going to be Scrooge in this, but like you know like. Maybe and it, this is this is me ripping off um, the Netflix movie that came out a couple years ago, like Force Whitaker as Scrooge and that, you know. Or think about like like Winston Duke as present. Ooh, that's yeah. the stuff right there. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. And in that case, I'd say woman wise, I would go Jodie Turner Smith for past. Yeah, past. I think or that's good. All black. Yeah. Past. Yeah. Kev's like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thinking now. I think uh, Daniel Kula's the only speech, problem if we're going younger, the only problem is that we haven't cast anyone as the uh, the hell demons. So. I mean, that's just like I mean, like we haven't cast anyone as Fred, but Fred is so tied to whoever your Scrooge is going to be, so it's like, yeah. I, I mean, those beefcakes they they left an impression on me. So <laughs> I mean, in the Key and Peel version of this movie, and where Peel is not I love Scrooge, how you jump from Bandit Cumberbatch <laughs> to Key and Peel. Well, okay, I saw I, I, one of my favorite movies this year that no one else loves like I do is Bundle and Wild, and obviously I love Jordan Peel just as a creative force in general. So I'm like, I could see Monkey Bone like producing a Christmas Carol movie, like you know, like they can make it a legitimately scary Christmas Carol movie. I just like, watched over Thanksgiving the like the Master Chef sketch <laughs> where he's like, I mean, he's like, this is sick. In a good way. <laughs> it just goes I just, on and on. One of the best moments of the movie of this year is still to me is me going to Gremlins 2 repertory screen and screening the, the sketch in front of it. The Game Field sketch in front of it. I was like, this is great. This is fantastic. Um, but I, my point is, is I feel like if you do do like a Black Christmas Carol movie where it's like um, Key and Peele are creative forces behind it. I think obviously Key is Bob Cratchit and then Peele can be um fred i think you get like go older on scrooge i think you get like regina hall as like mrs cratchit 
yeah i could see that yeah that would work yeah i mean she she wasn't spirited so oh no oh no (laughs) no not spirited again no (laughs) octavia spencer could probably play a fun scrooge you know also be like to get off the key and feel one a good princess present would be steven yen i think he could be a very good christmas present all right who what would be bad casting i mean james James corden scrooge like i mean i Say Benedict Cumberbatch because I don't like Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, but way. he's gonna. We all know he's going to do it. <laughs> Martin Freeman is a bad suggestion for Scrooge. Martin Freeman would be a bad Bob Cratchit. Like he would be terrible. Um, because it's such an obvious choice. Matt Smith could have a role in this movie, but it could not be any of the ghosts. I think that would be a big. Matt mistake. Smith is such Look, a Fred. Matt Smith is such a. Fred. He is a Fred. Yeah. But that's such a oh, small Peter Capaldi role. could play a great. All the doctors could play. Peter good Capaldi Scrooge, would be such a Peter good Scrooge. I'm oh surprised he hasn't done it. Honestly, that seems like definitely a BBC TV movie. Let's get Peter Capaldi to do it. Like, I mean, why don't we get a Scrooge version? But like, the Ghost of Christmas Present is they just get the Paddington. They just put Paddington in it. Oh my god, Paddington Christmas <laughs> like, Carol. But like, the, Mr. No, no, Mr. No, Brown is Scrooge. No, 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 no. The no, the movie has to be marketed just as a Christmas Carol, like no connection implied of Paddington being there, and then Paddington just shows up in like acting oh, as the goes <laughs> to Christmas present. He's like, "Hello there," mm, and instead of like drinking, he's like, "I've got some marmalade for you." <laughs> if you're kind and polite, the world will be right. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> him going like. I guess they better do it and decrease the surplus population. <laughs> I guess they be like, I guess they better do it. Oh, there are no prisons. The, <laughs> decrease the surplus population. Oh, okay. Last last personal positive Scrooge who I'm surprised I've done it is Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson would be a really good Scrooge. He would be good. I thought about him for and They could present. get Denal yes. to play young Scrooge. What? They could get Denal to play young Scrooge. I mean, we yeah, we need the Martin McDonough version where Colin Farrell's Bob Cratchit and he's like, <laughs> I think Colin Farrell would actually be a decent Bob Cratchit. Just probably have a Brendan Gleeson because they'd be distracted. I think that I think genuinely the best pick was Winston Duke as Christmas present. Yeah. And I don't think we're gonna top that. So <laughs> I mean I, I think the best Cratchit was key. We don't need to do the full key and peel one, but I do think key as Bob Cratchit is a good pick. Because you can just see him be like like Kind of giving a little sass behind yeah. Scrooge's back, but then also being like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's come to take my job away. <laughs> nah. Cratchit's kind of a bootlicker. Just no, love, like I love him. Too. He can do that too, I feel like. All the sass comes from Mrs. Cratchit. So just Miss Piggy can reprise her role. That's yes. like the best casting out of movies. Miss Piggy. All right. Do you guys want to know what we're going to do in the new year? No, we have to add a nomination. Absolutely. Oh no, we did that. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that was a while ago. I was like, we did that. <laughs> you guys want to know what we're gonna do in the new year? Yes. Yeah, sure. All right. Well, one more, one more fan casting, and I, I don't remember the actor's name, but uh, Roy Kent as the Ghost of Christmas yet to come. He just does his growl every I mean, time he points. I think, in a way, I mean, I get why they didn't because it's going to be a short show, and they're not going to do a long. You know, a bunch of episodes. Like they've said, it's three seasons long total. 
But in a way, I'm kind of surprised they didn't do like a, a non-canon Christmas Carol parody for their Christmas special on Ted Lasso. Oh, I love the Christmas special so much. I'm no, I love it too. It's a great Christmas special. But I'm just like, in a way, I'm kind of surprised they just didn't go for that, you know? Are you guys ready for this? Y'all ready for this? All right. Next year. Next year, as in, in 2023. Our first episode takes us to 1959, where we will finally close out the 50s. Film with eight nominations and no wins. Can I have a drum roll, please? Film is Fred Zinnemann's The Nun Story. Oh no, not nuns again. <laughs> I am I'm happy to announce that this is my last episode. <laughs> well, it's got a couple actors we talked about before. It has Edith Evans in it. It's got Peter Finch in it. And it's got someone named Audrey Hepburn in it. I do. I don't know if how, how long I is do this? love Audrey Hepburn. It's it's two hours three minutes. <laughs> this is not even her only nun movie. She's in like three more nun movies. I I have nothing against nun movies in general. It's just man, come to the stable sucked. Well, this looks more serious. So I'm Danny Vincent. You can find me on Letterboxd at Blankments for all my reviews on all the movies. You can also listen to my other podcast, Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar Journey, where we'll be dropping, or maybe have already dropped our Christmas special, and we'll be doing a New Year's special too. We're in a non-canonical little spot here where we're not watching Pixar stuff. Because it's Christmas and we're gonna do some dumb other stuff to kill time. So, but yeah. I am Caleb from Caleb from the Real World on Instagram and YouTube. From there, you can find my litany of other podcasts, Star Wars Therapy, All New 52. And if you are in the mood for another Christmas Day podcast, check out Hot Trash Unlimited, which I do with our editor Joe. Today we are reviewing a very different type of Christmas movie. We are reviewing Silent Night. Violent Night. Not Silent Night. Violent Night. Yes, thank you. Oh, I was hoping you were going to review um, Rhapsody Street Kids Believe in Santa, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> well, speaking of Joe, we have to all say thank you thank very, you very, much. very, very <laughs> much. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> oh, you can find me. On Letterboxd, it's just my name, Sarah Kanav. You can find me on Instagram uh, at SGK29, S-S-G-E-K-Y-29. Um, you can find us, The Snub Club, on Facebook, The Snub Club, Instagram, uh, Snub Club Podcast. Are we still on Twitter? <laughs> Snub Club Pod. I guess. And that's it. God bless All us, right. everyone. <laughs> Finally, someone said it. <laughs> Bye. Uh...